0: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you?
1: Let's get to David Chow, our guest for the half hour. David is Asia-Pacific ex-Japan strategist at Invesco. He joins from Hong Kong. David, kind of fortuitous that you're with us on a day where we're seeing pretty much a meltdown in uh, Chinese-related assets. We were talking earlier about these two COVID-related deaths, just two, and the knee-jerk response is to sell the market. Is this an overreaction?
2: Well, I think that um, this comes on the heels of MSCI China. The index was up 12% in the past five trading days and up 24% uh, November month to date. Uh, So perhaps this is a bit of markets taking a breather. And I've always thought that China's reopening would take a much longer time. And we're going to see fits and starts, um, as we're seeing in certain parts of China. And so I think investors should buckle up uh, for this reopening play.
3: Buckle up indeed, if the experience of other countries is any guide, this is just the thin end of the wedge in China, unless they lock down severely again. So which of these two outcomes do you think is going to happen and which is worse?
2: Well, I think that the lockdowns are going to perhaps be less sparse or more targeted. And the the government has already announced recent measures um, to, to loosen up some of the stringent COVID policies, and I expect that to, uh, to, to transpire going forward. I, I don't see any real meaningful reopening um, in China until perhaps after the dual sessions um, in March-April time frame.
1: Did it surprise you that the PBOC left the uh, benchmark lending rate to the loan prime rate at least the one year unchanged at 3.65 percent?
2: It it didn't, because if you really think about it, um, cuts of five basis points here, 10 basis points there, it hasn't really moved the needle over the past year. We've seen loosening monetary policy. Now, what really moves the needle is a uptake in credit. Uh, and so consumers and also businesses feeling more confident in taking out loans, uh, we've started to see a bit of that move. Um, and also uh, what really moves the needle is fiscal stimulus. And the government uh, has instituted a significant amount of infrastructure investments uh, over this past year. And I think that they're, they're looking at the economic data to see if they need um, to implement any more.
3: Another challenge that uh, other economies have had to overcome as they reopen is resurgent inflation. Do you see this occurring in China?
2: That is the one potential black swan that we may see next year uh, with um, with China reopening. Certainly, I would expect CPI uh, in China to tick up uh, meaningfully over uh, the next year. And that's that's perhaps one risk that's not being watched too closely. But current inflation and inflation expectations remain well anchored in China.
3: And David, I mentioned there the uh, very disappointing uh, first 20 days of exports uh, or trade for South Korea, Um, but you uh, see some upside for Korea, particularly tech. Can you give us the bull case?
2: Sure. I would say that it's not surprising that we see a bit of softness uh, due to kind of the global macro drop. Backdrop uh, deteriorating, and and I continue to expect that say over the next few months, um, especially as the Fed continues to hike, um, we're seeing Asian central banks also hike uh, in response. Now, what I think that investors will be able to see through, and already uh, uh, we've seen Korean equities rally significantly over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I think that investors will be able to see through uh, this soft patch um, that that's occurring right now, and especially as the semiconductor cycle is at the bottom right now. I think that um, this presents a buying opportunity.
1: So with uh, relatively elevated inflation in South Korea, we have a BOK decision this week. There had been some debate as to whether or not the tightening would be 25 or maybe even 50 basis points. Uh, What do you think is going to happen this week from the BOK? I mean, the one has been very weak. That could be a positive if you if you tighten. I mean, maybe that'll reverse course.
2: Well, I think that a lot of this is contingent on what the trajectory of the Fed is. And certainly all central bankers in Asia are trying to figure out what the tightening path that the Fed is going to take and if we're going to see a downshift or even a pause. And I'd say that many central banks in Asia would, would actually be pausing already, uh, given kind of the deteriorating macro backdrop. But I think this is um, this is kind of a wait and see period.
3: And what's the outlook for the yuan under these circumstances?
2: Well, the yuan has actually uh, appreciated over the past couple of weeks, given uh, kind of a risk on appetite. But given the, the, the plummet in the exports number and also the, the narrative that China's reopening could take a, a little longer and could, could be a bit um, disruptive, I, I think that we could potentially see some of the depreciating uh, effects on the yuan. We don't
1: op- I'm sorry, David. We don't often talk about the uh, market in Malaysia, but we did have uh, the weekend elections producing a hung parliament. One of the things that I was struck by, given the success of the Islamic Party, PAS, you know, the really the single party with the most seats now, gaming, alcohol related stocks moving lower in today's session. What is your outlook for Malaysia?
2: Well, I think that. Um Unlike in the U.S., where I think investors tend to like a a, um, a divided government for checks and balances, I think when investors look at Malaysia, we certainly appreciate uh, when there's a lot more policy certainty. Now, with this hung government, um, I, I think that this means that there are tough negotiations ahead in order to form the next government. And I think the big change was likely for the Malaysian budget. So while policies uh, could remain populist for a longer period of time. And I think that this is this is something um, that investors have to weigh.
3: Yeah, but uh, to Doug's point, uh, PASS is a, um, a very conservative Islamist party. Um, they are known for pushing Sharia law, bans on alcohol. Could uh, Malaysia be heading in a exciting new direction?
2: Well, I think that this... There, there's no clear direction in terms of which party is going to take a lead. And there's certainly going to be a need uh, to build coalitions. And I think that this, uh, you know, there's going to be a bit of political uncertainty um, and that this could potentially uh, weaken uh, the Malaysian uh, currency in the, in the near term.
3: David, we just got a few minutes left. I'm wondering uh, what do you consider your biggest risk is out there at the moment. Is a recession, stagflation or something else?
2: Well, I think that the biggest risk could potentially be that the inflation uh, levels in the U.S. are persistently high and that the Fed may have to keep monetary conditions uh, more stringent and tighter for a longer period than expected. And this will certainly have an impact on both global growth and and, and especially in places like uh, in Asia, especially the export-oriented economies.
3: Mm -hmm. All right, David Cha, Asia Pacific, ex-Japan strategist, Adam Vesco. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.